Thank you, Hannah. Paul, it's a blessing to be here this morning. You might have heard about the young, I was thinking of Colton and Joaquin. And uh, let's see, let's, we've had Blake do that. We've had several of our teenagers, they have started driving. I'm not sure. I know Colton has his license, Joaquin's driving, Blake is too. And uh, I think even Grace is about to turn the corner there. But I was reminded this week of the uh, young man who had gotten his driver's license and he went to uh, his dad and he said you know I'm ready to drive I have my license and uh, he said well before I turn the car over to you son there's three things got to happen number one your grades got to get better your grades aren't that good not going to turn the car over to you till your grades get a little better number two you got to read the bible I you're going I need to know that you're reading your Bible. And then number three, you got to get a haircut. Got to get better grades. Got to read your Bible. Got to get a haircut. So six weeks goes by. The young man is very pleased. He's worked hard. He shows his dad. He said, look, here's my report card, dad. Straight A's, man. I, <laughs> I'm doing a good job. Reading the Bible. Spent a lot of time to ask me anything you want dad you know ask me about Moses or Abraham or you know John the Baptist or Jesus been reading my Bible and he said is that right well what can you tell me about him he said well I can tell you dad uh that they all had long hair and he said yep and they walked everywhere they went amen so there you go praise God Forgive me, Lord. So, uh, anyway, just, uh, yeah, our potluck is going to be right after, and we got several folks over there working and uh, have been preparing for this. We're going to have crawfish. We also have fried chicken for those that have a shellfish allergy and those that don't like to eat mud bugs. So, uh, but we just ask and lieu of uh, you going out to eat somewhere today, put a little contribution in there so we can help pay for the cost of that. I do want to mention our Awana program ended this year. It was really outstanding. Uh, Volunteers did a great job. So two weeks from now, we'll send out an email. We're going to start a summer adult combined, uh, our youth ministry adult uh, Bible study. It's going to be on 1 Peter. It'll be a question and answer time as well. If you've got questions, we'll try to get them answered. Um, but we'll also be studying First Peter, but you'll get an email on that. That'll be Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30. And uh, looking forward to that. And I think that's pretty much all that I've got for you today. Very thankful for Awana folks. They just did a outstanding job this year. They do, and they serve, and they have servants' hearts, and it's a blessing. Um, so we're going to continue in the book of Colossians and open your Bible to Colossians in chapter three. And you turn your attention to the handout um, in Scripture, and uh, I'm going to be reading in verse one of chapter three. Paul writes to Colossians, "If 
Then you have been, if then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider, consider the members of your earthly body is dead to immortality or immorality, uh, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to uh, idolatry. For it is an account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him a renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free men, but Christ is all and in all. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm going to end there this morning. Uh, if I were to ask you if you wanted to hear some good preaching this morning, I'm sure most of you would say yes. And so you're going to get that opportunity. I have a little, this really, uh, this was sent to me uh, this last week. And uh, as I was studying for this message, uh, I always tell you I don't believe in coincidence. And so uh, you get to hear at least, I think, about 30 seconds of some good preaching this morning. Go ahead and play that. This is Billy Graham. In fact, t- before you start it, I loved in the timeline there, you guys mentioned evangelist Billy Graham. And so uh, go ahead and play this. The slandering fool. Turn that the up. Slandering fool. He that hideth hatred with. With lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool, passing along an evil story about others, maligning other people's character, wrecking their reputations by evil gossip. Gossiping is listed in the Bible as one of the worst of all sins, and yet how frequent that's done even in circles that call themselves Christians. It's a terrible sin in the sight of God, and God says that person is a fool. You wouldn't think of killing a person with a gun or a knife. But then many times we assassinate a character or try to pull someone down or to get even or because of jealousy by whispering innuendos. Someone told me, or he did thus and so. We commit murder by character assassination. Worse than killing a man with a pistol, a knife, or a club, there's the slandering fool. That's good. Yeah, as we uh, head into this 
message that Paul wrote, the Colossians. I want to remind you. Every letter he wrote, every letter that Paul wrote, he included a vice list. I just read the one out of the Colossians, and you can just revisit real quick about those things in our life that uh, they're a vice. They're sin. And, uh, and every single one of his letters, he includes a list. And the list is always the same. It's the same things, immorality, uh, sexual uh, immorality, impurity, uh, gossip, slander, all those things. They're just listed. And, uh, and then the way he lists them is unique, too. We'll look back at that in just a minute. Um, um, but all of his letters have this list. And when Paul writes a letter to a New Testament church, what does he do? He, always, he will always address a doctrinal issue. So for the Galatians, they were concerned about circumcision. And you know, it was a doctrinal issue. And they were relying on the, uh, the uh, scripture out of the Old Testament, God's covenant of circumcision out of Genesis 17. Most of your first century Christians, at least initially, were Jews that were converted to Christianity. Christianity, um, and their Bible was the Old Testament. The New Testament was being written. And so there was this natural conversation going on in the New Testament church as they would look at the law of God, the Torah, the Old Testament law, um, and then in the covenants, for example, the circumcision. And, and they were trying to to figure out as God's people, so um, what do we do? You know, the Bible says this. What does it mean? How does it apply to us since Christ, the scriptures has been fulfilled? The Christ was born. He lived. Uh, he was crucified, dead, and buried. He resurrected. He's ascended to heaven. And so they were just trying to figure that out. So Paul, Paul when he would write his letters, he would deal with the doctrinal issue. He dealt with one with the Colossians. But then always in every one of his letters, here's, here's the doctrinal issue that you're struggling with. I'll clear it up for you. Here's what you need to know about whatever it is, uh, whatever it is. The worship of angels, circumcision, whatever it is. Which days to keep, all those, which you could eat and what you can't eat and when something clean or unclean. He'd clear it up in light of Jesus Christ and crucified. But then after he dealt with the doctrinal issues, he would go to personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. If you're a Christian, God has saved you. You've been redeemed and reconciled. The ministry that he talks about in the Colossians is the ministry of reconciliation. So if you, if you who were unholy have been made holy by the act of God through his son, Jesus Christ, you, you got a personal responsibility. And so all the letters have it. Jesus Christ himself addressing the seven churches of Asia Minor 
Just read it. He says, well, you know what? I have this against you. Something in your behavior is wrong. And so, you know, you look at these lists, and again, you know, I don't think, you know, as you read these lists, you probably understand what they are. You probably know what sexual immorality is. Pretty sure you do. Impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Now, I will tell you something about his list. Paul used two writing. Uh, he, he wrote in two fashions. And it was common with the culture that, that day. If you were going to make a list, you would do one of two things. You'd start with, here's the basic problem, but that basic problem results in a, it gets worse. That's what we did. We'll look at one of the lists. In the other list, the other thing that the fashion in his writing was, uh, this is this is the greatest thing. And because it's so great, here's all the things that accompany it. It starts here, and then it just gets better. Or it starts here, and it just gets worse. So let's just revisit this because personal responsibility again. What does he say? He says, and there's a great person in the Bible that you ought to relate to this. uh, What he says to the Colossians in chapter 3, therefore consider the members of your body, your earthly body is dead. Paul just read that in Romans chapter 6. We're not to let sin reign in our bodies, but he says, okay, so here's the list. And it it starts here, but it gets worse. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. As a real quick footnote, uh, all of the lists that Paul puts in when he talks about sex, Sexual immorality, in every one of them, greed is included. Every one of them. When he's talking about sexual immorality, it's greed. Now, you may not, you think of greed, you might think of it as money. You know, the thing, I, I want more of something. That's the root of sexual immorality. The root, the beginning place of sexual immorality is greed. I, my wife's not enough for me. My husband's not enough for me. There's a, a mentality, a greed mentality that is, look at the addiction that is associated with pornography. And over 30 years of ministry, uh, I'd have to say that 30 years ago in counseling, uh, very few people ever came to me struggling with pornography. It's rampant now. When they come to my office, or it's rampant. And, uh, you know, the Scripture says the desires of the eyes cannot be fulfilled. 
killed. Uh, sexual immorality, pornography, it's become commonplace in our culture. Um, what would have been considered pornography 30 years ago is on mainstream television. And so we see it. And it's addictive. It's like, it's greed. There's greed associated with it. So there's the list. But it starts out with this there's this list it's this bad but it gets worse because all of that leads to idolatry solomon wanted wisdom god said i'm going to give you whatever evil desire greed and then idolatry so there's that list and so the scripture says that you and i are not to let sane reign in our bodies. If you, man, if you're a Christian, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live. It's, it's Christ that lives in you. Paul wrote to Galatians. You just, we read what Paul wrote to the Romans. Should I continue to sin that grace may abound? Sin entered the world through Adam, and all of us have been affected by it. We're born sinners. But then Christ, righteousness entered through Christ. He became sin. Do you realize that? Read Paul's letter, the second letter to the Corinthians. said he became sin so that you and I could be justified. He, he be, not only did he die for your sins, he became sin. It's what the scripture says. And so now we have grace. You've been bought with a price. And so throughout Paul's New Testament letters, and he writes the New Testament church, he said, you and I have a responsibility. As we've been crucified with Christ, we're not to let sane reign... sin reign in our mortal bodies we're no longer a slave to that sin and then he deals with the personal responsibility and he says it's supposed to be dead here's what I want to say to you if you if you're concerned about anything in your culture right now but I want to be specific to you. It starts with you. It starts with me. If you, if you were to be concerned about anything in your culture, your, your individual personal culture, the culture that is you, the culture that is in your home, your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, your children, the culture that is in your church family, the culture that you live in in the community that you live in, in Bryan College Station, the culture that you live and are associated with as an American citizen, and it just goes on. If you're concerned about anything at all, what do you think you should be concerned about? Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, I'm putting this in light of Paul's letters to the New Testament church, the justif 
justifying, sanctifying work of Jesus Christ on the cross, you ought to be concerned about sin. We're usually concerned about other. We're usually concerned about other people's sins. But in the New Testament, Paul writing to justified, sanctified, saved by grace through faith Christians, there was a problem, and it was a sin problem. We're saved from our sins, but we continue to sin. We continue to sin. Paul would say it in Romans 7, chapter 7. Why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? The good that I would do, I find that I cannot do. I find then that the principle of evil dwells within me. The one who wishes to do good, oh wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death. John would write, and it's First John about Christians. He said, if we say we don't sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. If we say we haven't sinned, we make God out to be a liar. Christians sin. Our, our spiritual walk in this flesh with the promise of the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, uh, the teaching, the leading, the guiding of the Holy Spirit, it is a growth. It's a growth. But it'll never happen. It'll never, there'll never be the spiritual growth that is intended to happen in us as long as we have a casual approach to sin. It's casual. You know, in the, in the gospel, Jesus said, he who is forgiven much loves much. But he who is forgiven little, he's thankful for little. So as a Christian examines themselves, before we can deal with the sin issue, we got to first, we got to be like the guy in Luke chapter 18. He goes to the temple. He's not even able to look up to the heavens. And he says, dear Lord, God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, this man went just, he went away justified rather than the religious, the Pharisees. See that goes and says, thank you, God, for not making me like other men. Because I tithe, man, I'm obedient to the word of God. So there's that, that mentality as well. But he says to the New Testament church, he says, you and I have a personal responsibility. And we, and our responsibility is to put it to death, put it aside. And that's when it, the Billy Graham deal. Because again, if you said in 30 years uh, of ministry at the church and the body of Christ, you know, I would say most of the people sitting in the pews would readily agree, man, I am a Christian because God has saved me from my sins. And I think in their mind that you would do it and I would do it and we'd put the scales out there and you'd say, yeah, murder, that's a bad one. Mm-hmm, rape, well, it's terrible. That's a bad one. Thief, oh, I can't stand a thief. Lying, I just think this is funny. I love this because you can tell it's just the trap of a, a delusional mind. 
It really is. God bless. Because Satan is so proud when we're proud in an area of our life that we think we don't sin in. I, I, I've heard, he said, you know what? I, I don't lie. I don't lie. And we're ready. And then some of us, we like it when we catch somebody in a lie. But there's this sense of pride, you know? Well, I don't lie. You a liar. <laughs> you, lie. you lie the minute you say you don't lie, but you have this fall. Well, I don't lie. Well, you lying to yourself. You're certainly lying to God. But why am I saying that? Because when you look at the list, you know, we got the biggies, and I love what Billy Graham just said. And if you just get, he said, you know, why do we do that? Hey, you know what? I heard this about so-and-so. I think Satan's greatest playground in the body of Christ, in the culture of the church, in the reality of spiritual warfare, prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, is, is a thought process that comes out of the heart. And what is it Jesus say? That comes out of the heart? I'm going to tell you what comes out of the heart. Solomon said, you better, above all else, you better guard your heart because the wellsprings of life come from it. And Jesus said, out of the heart comes what? Fornication. Adultery. Immorality. Murders. Theft. All the slander. It's from the heart. And so, you know, we have this list of these things that are supposed to be dead in our life. They're supposed to be dead. You know what something dead is? You just see it all the time. When you're just driving down the highway and you see the buzzards, you know something's dead. And what is it dead? It's dead. It stinks. It's rotten. The vultures are eating on it. The buzzards are eating on it. Do you, do you consider... The sin in your life, because you've been forgiven much, or maybe you've been forgiven little. Maybe you really think you've been forgiven little. I, I think there's many in the church who are sitting in pews. I call them professing Christians. They profess Christ. I don't believe that'll be God to determine. But, but in their behavior, they really don't think. There's really been a whole lot. Yeah, I've been forgiven. And then it's manifested in a self-righteous attitude with an open door that says, I don't, there's nothing that resembles death in it. The minute you feel empowered enough to use hearsay or gossip against somebody, you have opened the satanic Demonic, evil, unchristian, unchrist on the cross mentality, behavior, and attitude that, as Billy Graham said, and as Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, did you might as well? That's murder. You want to slander? You want to? You want to know? Just make an accusation against someone. Let's say the accusation is true. What right do you have to make that accusation? in light of the other list that we're going to look at. But we love it. Oh, we like it. 
we don't like somebody. We don't even really, maybe we never really determine why we don't like them. Usually it's very petty and it has to do with selfishness. I'm not getting my way is usually what it is. I've lost some control or ownership to something. That person is now my enemy. Or we have a different view on something. And now I have the right to slander that person or say, well, I heard it's evil. Flat out evil. And Jesus puts it, and the scripture put it on the same plane. You don't have to take Aubrey's word for it. You don't have to take Billy Graham's word for it. But you can just take Jesus' word for it. How about that? And if that's important to you. That may not be important to you. It may not be. Well, you might be like that Christian in Romans 10 and 1 where Paul says, I, I have a passion for the Jews. These are God's people. But they have a passion. Or he said, I pray for them. He said, they have a passion for God, but not in accordance with righteousness because they're trying to establish their own. Church is full of the opiate. It's an opiate. There's an opiate in the church and it's called religion. I get to justify what I already think about myself. I'm a good person. Paul wrote in Romans 3, no, there's not one good. That's another thing. As Satan wants to fuel your pride and your sense of self-righteousness and your level of understanding to judge someone, slander someone, gossip about someone, you know, he'll do that too. He would put you in a position to think that I actually am in a position to do it. I'm justified in doing it. And uh, I don't really, whatever the callous heart is to that. This is, if you, if you and I are going to capture what Paul is writing to the Colossians and what he wrote to every New Testament church, and when he talks about the sin that so it easily entangles us? What do you think that is? Again, you don't need me to tell you. You don't need Billy Graham to tell you. It leaps right out of the pages of Scripture. And we're supposed to see it as dead, something that's dead. But it's not dead in many of us. In fact, it's living in many of us it's got a life to it man and it's right out of my heart it's demonic it's evil and he says it's on account of these things that the wrath of God will come slander abusive speech from your mouth wrath malice slander abusive speech from your mouth he says Put it aside. Get rid of it. And then he shifts. Now, now when he wrote to the Colossians here, he says, these were the things in verse 5, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. And he gives you that list. But he talks about laying aside the old self in chapter 9. It's past. So you have to examine. Examine yourself. I have to examine myself. 
I know what the old self was. Paul wrote the Ephesians in chapter 2. He said, you, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you and I were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were in the lust of our flesh in which we formerly lived. But God being rich in his mercy, what did he do? He saved us. He saved us. Not on the basis of our good works, but he saved us by grace through faith, that not of yourself. And he did it to bring glory to him. He did it to create create something in you and I. And then in the Colossians, he, he goes from the old self in the past, and he says in verse 10, put on the new self who's being renewed. There is our past, there is our present, and then there is our future. How much of your past isn't dead? How much of your past is living in the presence and and has life heading into the future? And you've never examined it. You've never examined it in light of sin and in light of what... I'm going to tell you, these young kids, if they need to hear anything at all. You know, we, Christianity is represented to us in so many different ways. But if I had to say to you, if Christianity is about anything at all, what, it, what is it about? It's about the death of the very thing that has separated us from God and the one who paid the price for that. Sin. It's sin. And Christianity is represented and spoken about in many different ways in the world we live in today. Mostly it's about, you know, God loves us. Yes, he does. And he gave us his son. And, you know, we have the gift of eternal life. And, and, uh, but it's like we just, it's not like we're missing the whole point. Why did any of that have to happen? And not, not for somebody else's sin, but for my sin. My, my sin. My sin. You know, Paul wrote the Philippians, let each man work out his salvation with fear and trembling. He wasn't saying you have to work out your salvation so that you could be saved. He was saying the most valuable thing that you have is your salvation. And since you have something that you couldn't get on your own because of the terrible sin that was in your life, 
life, and maybe you don't think it was that terrible. But maybe you think, well, the salvation I have is because, you know, I had a few things that needed. I needed a little tune-up. I needed a little correcting. Maybe you think that. But you'll never have fear and trembling working out your salvation. This won't happen. But if you understand that you're a wretched man, I'm a wretched Man, we sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And what made me wretched is my sin. My sin. And I, again, I, I go to the gossip and the slander and because I, in 35 years in ministry and in my own personal struggles, the two big ones for me are not murder and rape and theft and of course there is lying uh you know you just go to the gospel of john lying is satan's native tongue it's what his native tongue is it's just he's it's what he does and so there is that and i think we all agree on that and i've already made the comment about that i just my heart aches for the person that thinks they don't lie because there's just pride. God bless them. Could you stand before God? God and say it. Could any of you ever stand in the presence of the holy living God and preach about the purity of your own sense of strength and will that you would never tell a lie? Oh, could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine? But then having said that it's the other one it's that it's that's it's the gossip slander malice hearsay because we categorize sin that's true all i would say to you is if you're going to categorize sin categorize it the way holy scripture does just do that and then you and I don't get to be what we think is our own sense of righteousness. But you should be teaching this to your children. But now, the present. Put on the new self. Now look at this list. This goes... Remember I told you, you go from bad to worse. This goes from good to better. The first one, and I could just preach on this one, is compassion. You should do a, a topical study on the word compassion. You want, you want the epitome of your Christian, Christianity to be based upon something? Just, just make it compassion. Just make it compassion. She, it's important to her to look nice. It's just very important to her. And... uh you know, I go to the closet and I think, well, I'll wear those jeans. I like those boots and I'll put that shirt on. Let's go. But she doesn't do that. She goes through the process of putting something on. And it's a process. Yes. Because I know if we're going somewhere, I say, okay, I got at least an hour. I got at least an hour, 45 minutes a minute. Because I know from the time 
She goes to getting this stuff and doing this stuff, and you got to put this on. And she goes, and I love it. I actually enjoy it. She'll be in the closet, and she's got a particular way she stands. And she'll be like this, and she's looking at her clothes. She's doing it. I can do that and not get in trouble. If you say I did it, well, okay. But that's the way she stands. It's like this, and she's she's looking here, and you can tell. What am I going to wear? And see, it's important to her. And I love that about her. Um, Because I don't believe it's vanity. I just don't. I've known her long enough to know her heart. Um, But she's going through this serious mental, intellectual, emotional, and I believe, of putting something. Something on. What am, what am I going to put on? And, I, and I've thought about that, about um, what if I, I, thinking about my present state of being and in the future, if I understood Christianity from, from the sacrifice that was made, the grace that was given, um, the death that took place on Calvary and then in my life, that old man dying, being buried with him in baptism, resurrected, recreated to walk in newness of life. Then I thought about, and I'm thinking about the process of, okay, so it matters, and I'm supposed to put aside and get rid, but I'm supposed to put on now new I'm supposed to I'm supposed to put on and and it starts with just compassion if I just started my day with compassion 